I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 42 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. I am your host, Lucas Agan. Joining me, as always, is Ryan Smith. Ryan, how was your weekend? It was good. Obviously, we had Halloween. We had a lot of fun doing that. We ended up chilling in the driveway, fire pit. Uh, we hung bags of candy uh, from the bushes and trees just to make sure we're respecting uh, social distancing. Everybody was being pretty safe about it. We did walk up the street a little bit, but I mean, for the most part, we did a little scavenger hunt uh, for our daughter. So that was fun. And then, you know, what? I totally had forgotten that that uh, Watch Dogs Legion was coming out. Uh, this past weekend or this past week, it totally crept up on me. Luckily, I have Ubisoft Plus or or whatever their their services, so I downloaded that. I've been playing that. I am really really enjoying that game. Uh, so it's nice, uh, and that kind of will segue into our topic later on. Uh, what about you though, uh, Lucas? How was your weekend, my friend? My weekend was good. I took a long weekend from work to finish a bunch of house projects that I was looking yeah. to get finished. So I, I'm glad they're all done. They're out of the way. I'm done for the rest of the year for house projects. I'm, that's it. I'm good. <laughs> but enough about us. Uh, we are super excited to introduce our guest this week. She is one of the most legendary voice actors in the business. You know her from series like Mass Effect, Overwatch, No More Heroes, Metal Gear Solid, and a lot more. Jennifer Hale is joining us today. Jennifer, how are you? I am fantastic. I am so happy to be here, you guys. It is delightful. Always good to connect with people. We are both super excited. I've, I've been pumped for this for a long time. Before we get into the interview, I just have to say, I was taken to an extra level of excitement because I read that you voiced Trinity in The Matrix Path of Neo, and The Matrix is my favorite series of all time. <laughs> so I'm just super pumped to be talking to Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you. That was a super fun project to do. I uh, I took completely deferred to uh, Carrie, and I'm blanking on her last name. The wonderful. Carrie, Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, Carrie Ann Moss. I, I super defer to her for her her uh, OG on that that I got to step in the in the shoes of. <laughs> you know, let me let me kind of jump in, in in that angle uh, specifically, I guess, to that project. When you are entering an established series like that, what? How does that affect how you pro approach it creatively? I mean, there's a lot of precedent set there. So, what? How did how did you approach a project like that that has that kind of base already laid? Yeah. Well, the first thing, the most important thing first in anything like that is I have to have the permission of the person who came before if they're still alive. If they're not, clearly I don't need their permission, but um, I really need their blessing. I won't do it. 
without that. Um, I've had a couple of things where I've stepped into the shoes of uh, one friend of mine in particular. I called her first and I was like, I'm not doing this. She's like, no, you have my blessing. Go. And I'm like, great. Um, so once I get that permission, it's uh, it just ticks a few boxes for me already in terms of the like the vocal print has often been established. So I just have to line mine up with that. The personality and the precedent of the character is there. I'm not there to duplicate what they already did. I'm there to live inside this new project that's in front of me, but full respect to what's already existing, like occupying that. I don't need to reinvent it. I just need to do it to the absolute best of my ability. Perfect. That's great. That's great. You know, It would take hours to go through the, the breadth of your your career here, but if you could take me back to the beginning there, what kind of got you into acting? And as you've been able to see the video game industry kind of grow and evolve over the years, what's changed the most from when you started? What got me into it was uh, I did not fit in regular school <laughs> at all. <laughs> I was the one who was like the bully target. Um, and so I moved again. And this time when I moved, I got into a fine arts high school and I literally memorized my audition for the theater department the night before in the car at like one o'clock in the morning and uh, <laughs> audition for the theater department got in. And then my favorite part of that experience was I started singing in rock clubs when I was 15 with a bunch of my schoolmates, you know, from that school. And, um, but then that led to a dear friend of mine's mom got me a job, helped me get a job at a video production studio that was next door to an audio studio. And because I was going to the fine arts high school, I could, it was down South. I could talk without an accent. I could, uh, and I had, I had an ear, I had a faculty for voices and, and, that kind of thing. I had some natural ability. And so I got asked to run next door to the audio studio and do a commercial and they paid me, I think it was 30 or $35. And I was like, wait, what? Cause I was still a teenager, you know, I was like, what? And, uh, so I made a demo, bugged the guys to be my mentors and they were so gracious, Greg and Courtney. And the studio was Batwell studios. And, um, I went door to door, cold calling ad agencies, looking for work. I turned it into a business. I had a schedule. It was nauseatingly difficult cold calling and all that, but I did it. And I built the business. And then I went to Atlanta, got a job in a film. And I was like, okay, this acting makes sense to me. And then I moved to LA and then started, you know, after a bit of time, started working there. But so that was my, my path to it. In terms of the changes in games, it's been... It's been extraordinary. I remember my first game. I didn't really understand what in the world was going on because I was like, wait, what? Because I'm used to like context and story and chronological flow and things that don't exist (laughs) when you're recording a game. And uh, I was like, you want me to just say the name of the flag? (laughs) Who am I talking to? What's the scene? And they were like, just say the name of the flag. And I was like, "Uh, but, and they're like, I'm like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> so I just surrendered and said the name of the flag and, uh, and I got it. Like, that's my job just to literally be, you know, everybody talks, there's the concept of the now, right? Being in the moment. And that is the head of a pin, you know, and that one's gone and that now has gone mm-hmm. and that now has gone, you know, and that's the thing about games. You are right on the head of the pin at all times because you might be here on the timeline, then here on the timeline, you know, you're, you're you know, killing somebody, you just met them, you know, and you're doing that all out of order. You just have to drop into the moment, you know, and then you got to do it four ways because you're four different aspects of that character. Like it's, it really requires that 
But what I've seen change a lot, the technology and the growth of the quality of what they can render has really impacted what I do in a really cool way because early on it had to be a little presentational, like I'm going over there, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you had to have a little bit of that in there just to, to kind of sell it over the, where the technology was for the visuals. Nowadays you can thought registers on, on the mic and it, it works in this context. You can go, yeah, I'm going over there and, uh, and it flies. You can really just live it. And that is my favorite thing, you know, plus the growth in all the different, you know, genres and styles of games. You can have those ultra cinematic games where you're mm-hmm. contemplating the deep things of life. And then you got the kind of goofy ones where you're like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like you, there's room for all of it, which is one of my absolute favorite things. You know, I, I think our listeners would kill us if we didn't talk a little bit about Mass Effect. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let me let me take 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 us back to before the first game came out. What did what was that pitch like? Like, what did you see in Commander Shepard that appealed to you? And how much of that overall story did they have planned out that that you knew at the beginning? Or did the did that storyline kind of develop as the sequels were greenlit? Well, from my position, I'm, I'm, we're privy to a lot less than I think people realize we're privy to. Uh, sometimes they don't even tell us the name of the game. They're like, it's pineapple. Just call it, not, <laughs> just pineapple, sign the NDA, don't ever speak of it again. Go to the session. <laughs> okay. You know, um, so with this one, I remember going to the audition. I remember getting an archetype and they... Um, they described Shepard as kind of, you know, they called in some of the classics, the, um, the Han Solos, the, you know, those kind of renegade, get it done people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked that the archetype was male because my entire career, I have always been like, why do you care about gender? Let me read for the announcer. Let me read for this role. Why do you care? Just let me add it. You know, and I successfully pushed on that door pretty hard commercially. And this was incredible to get to to do that in a game setting. It was really cool. So what I remember was Mac Walters coming in and Caroline Livingstone being there and Jenny McSwain and Chris Borders were the directors we worked with in one. And they when I first came in, when we record, we record alone. We don't record typically. I mean about five percent of the time we get to record with other people. Mm-hmm. And um They went through the whole story arc and showed, you know, talked me through the whole story arc of one. And I was like, wow, okay, that sounds really cool. And I remember listening going, Jesus, this is a load of work for you guys. To create all these (laughs) branches, like, whoa, I, wow, amazing. So I remember that. And, um, and then I just recorded it. And, you know, I, I never know when I record a game, where it's going to go, what it's going to end up as, because that's not my business. My business is to show up and throw down as hard as I can, as fully as I can with what's in front of me. And then that's what I can do. That's my piece of it. So it's interesting. So you said that they actually laid out the story for you guys uh, with Mass Effect? For the first one they did. For For the the first first, one they did? Yeah, for the first one. Interesting. So how do you think that changed then your performance and your take on that character, kind of knowing the whole scope of the story? Well, it's it gives you context and context is critical when you're recording. Like if you go into a session, they're like, you know, 
you're just in an argument with this person and you don't have any background on your relationship and you don't know the arc of anything, it's going to be hollow. It's going to be shallow and it's going to be really generalized and nonspecific. And that's not engaging. It's just not engaging when you guys go to play it on the other end, because then we're not fully anchored in a real experience. We're just like in an idea and you can't play an idea. You got to play a life. So the detail was super helpful. You know, that that's a series that obviously blew up in popularity when when you're part of a project like that, when does it start to sink in for you that this is, is you know, might be connecting with more people than some other projects you were a part of and, and that it's kind of reaching that that different level of, of, of fandom? It's a great question. And I don't know if the answer will be satisfying because the answer is I never think about that. Um, I compartmentalize that because then my attention is not on what it needs to be on, which is absolutely living in the moment that that character's living in. Now, after the fact is when it starts to hit, like probably after the second one, you know, because even then, like I've been in this industry my entire life and things will be going great and companies will spend profound amounts of money on, on amazing projects that then die in the closet. Like, so I don't, I don't invest a lot in where it's going and what it's going to mean until it does. And it has. And then I respond to the fans. I mean, the fan feedback I get from this game is, whoo, it's deep. It's beautiful. It's, uh, it's very moving. Yeah. You know, speaking of, of Mass Effect fans, I think that we're all excited for the cast coming back to reunite, reuniting here yes. on Saturday at the time of this recording. Yes. What I uh, talk about how that kind of came together. And I just have to throw this out there. There have been these rumors. There have been these rumors of, of that, that maybe Mass Effect might might be getting a remaster. So hypothetically, what would it mean to you if if that series were to be reintroduced to a generation of gamers that maybe hadn't gotten the chance uh, to experience that yet. Oh my gosh. I mean, if they did that, if a new generation got to experience this, I, I can't even, I, that would be incredible. That would be incredible. And to your, your question about how um, Saturday's N7 day came about, it was me. <laughs> I just got a wild hair and I was like, <laughs> Hey, Everybody's locked in and seven days on a Saturday. Let's get together. (laughs) And I emailed, you know, everybody whose email addresses I had and they're all like, yeah. And then I put out Twitter DMs to everybody else. And some people haven't gotten back because their lives are so busy or they just they don't do that kind of thing. But it's it's an open invitation to all cast and crew to join us. And um, I believe we have um, a couple people from the writing team, a couple, you know, somebody from the dev team as well. And I'm really excited. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. I mean, most, most panels are like an hour, but I've given us like an hour and a half plus just because I don't know where it's going to go. I've um, got Ash Sevilla from Nerd Appropriate to be our moderator and just kind of manage questions. And then this wonderful producer, Ryan Green, is going to run the tech side. So I just 
just get to show up and hang out with my friends. It's great. It's like having a party and somebody else does all the cooking. I'm like, awesome. Just tell me where to be. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the best part, right? Mm. It's, it's, that is, yeah. And and it's got to mean something too, especially on a project like this, just being able to go back. I mean, when you work on on things, you know what I mean? You, you start getting and you get connections with people on all sides. So to be able to reconnect and not only that, but then, you, you know, you were speaking about the just the fans in the community here. I personally have never played. I know shame on me. I've never played any of the Mass Effects. Yeah. I would love to get a remaster or or something because I feel like and in, in I, I've only, you know, through uh, socials and things like that. I know that uh, it left off with Andromeda, but I think... Uh, you know what I mean? I, I, I think it, it left people wanting more and needing something more and kind of hoping for, you know what I mean? Like, I think a remaster would be great, but I think people truly would love to see, you know what I mean? So a, a next step further oh, yeah. uh, in this oh, series. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. I I love the whole community, though. You're right. It is. It's going to be just great just to see everybody, just to connect with them. I mean, we've worked together on other stuff. Mark and I are in the long dark together. And um, I mean, we all work together a lot. I've worked in the Dragon Age franchise as well. And Alex will be there on uh, on Saturday. And uh, yeah, it's super exciting. I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, given that you you were able to kind of explore Commander Shepard through three games, mm -hmm. is there another character that you wish you could go back and and have another game or two to explore their character in the Mass Effect franchise? In in any of your characters that you've played, has, has there been one that you you've been in itching to go back if that were ever possible in in, uh, in a dream world? You know, this is the weirdest reference, but I love anything where I get to sing. And um, the, <laughs> the Hex Girls, we recently did an episode. We did the song super fast. So I don't, I don't know how it came out, but um, anything where I get to sing and just hang out with my friends is just is just my favorite. I'm actually I don't even I don't even look in that direction because I'm I'm very fortunate. I'm working on a bunch of stuff right now. And I mean, this year I had um, uh, Avengers uh, mm -hmm. come out as I uh, was Maria Hill and then uh Marvel's um, Iron Man VR on Pepper Potts. And then uh, I'm working on a new game right now. I, I cannot say a single word about it because I know I will give something away. <laughs> I will say it's so great. And I will say it's an aspect of me as a performer that people haven't spent as much time with. And it's so fun and so great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is, well, you and you said something about that, too. We were talking a little earlier before we got on. You said you actually uh, have a new single uh, that's that's come out, correct? Yeah, I did my I've never done an audiobook, And uh, Christopher Paolini, who wrote The Inheritance Cycle, um, Aragon and all that. He has a new book that's uh, an adult book and because his previous stuff was young adult and um, it's sci fi. And so he approached and asked me if I would. Uh, do the audiobook and I was like you you know I've never done one of these he was like yeah <laughs> so I you know I sent in a sample and they were like yep yep do that and I was like okay and for my first audiobook it was 880 plus pages and 50 some characters and wow. I was like holy gods but <laughs> during the course of and it's such a good book you guys get it get it the Wall Street Journal does not like sci-fi and they really liked it um, <laughs> so I really like that I mean I've read it twice because I read it before I read it and then I read it you know yeah <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And uh, so during the recording of that, I released my first single, which is called Never. You can you can find it on um, all the platforms, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, Google Music, all those. Um, just Jennifer Hale, Never. So I released that and he listened to it and he said, would you consider writing a song for the book? And I was like, sure. I've never written for other people. So I grabbed a partner, um, Todd Herfindahl. He writes for other people all the time, really brilliantly. And he and I sat down and wrote this song for, um, the book is To Sleep in a Sea of Stars. And the song is called Sea of Stars. And um, I, yep, that's it on the picture. I <laughs> love it so much. I, I just love this song. It's beautiful. And all I'll say about that is more to come. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, as an artist too, it's, it's so nice to be able to, uh, kind of branch out and, and, you know, use, you're never really just stuck as an artist in one, you know, medium, being able to explore all the different mediums and stuff like that is so important. And, yeah. and I feel like liberating. Well, you know, you're, you're so right. And for me, this is actually more of a reclamation. I wrote my first song when I was 12, I was like at camp and I was there at sleepover camp and the end of the, this camp session, every, each unit gets together and sings their little song around the campfire. And I borrowed one of the counselor's guitars and I sat down and I wrote this song and everybody really liked it. And we ended up singing it around <laughs> the fire. And I was like, oh my God, my song. And then, you know, and then teenage years hit and confidence went and I got into a band with a bunch of guys and they're all like, no, we're doing this. And I was like, okay. And, but we wrote a lot of songs and I did all our lyrics and all my melodies and stuff. And I really liked them. I just, lost track of them. And then I remember really distinctly in my early twenties, I was making a living acting full time and life was insanely busy. And like my relationship was with time at that point was like, I got to choose. I got to mm -hmm. choose between acting and singing and acting's paying all the bills. Singing's where my soul is, but my soul's here too. And I was like, I'll just put it on hold. And I never gave myself the space to go back. I went back a little while, uh, several years ago, and um, that's where the song never came from. But I'm I'm back now, and this time, you know, as you as you get a little older, your soul becomes non-negotiable. And uh, I'm like, no, we're done. We're done putting that on the back burner. It's going up front. You know, it, it's funny because. I am a big Christopher Pellini fan. Wow. I, I, when I was younger, loved the inheritance cycle. So <laughs> as we were doing research for this episode, all the connections were just being made to a bunch of these series that I just oh, love. Lucas, I'm so so I, I'm super excited to read that. When, when you're doing an audio book, yeah. what, what's the biggest challenge? Like, what did you have to get used to the most that was uh, most challenging for you? Reading 60 to 80 pages of a novel a night to get ready for work. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, like, it's, um, you know, when you, well, I, my hat is off to audiobook people because the difference in this, in the, in projects is like this, like when I do a film or a TV or, you know, something on camera, we're going to do film, we're going to do a couple pages, a few pages, you know. TV, we're going to do a few more pages. A friend's project, we're going to try to do a bunch of pages. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, the web series, we're doing a bunch, much as we can. So you got to memorize it and get it prepped and get ready. And and you go to work and you do that. But there's all this downtime because there's all these other trades that have to get their work done so you can do your work. They've got to light it. They've got to set it. They've got to dress it. They've got to get everything, all your environment ready so you can go in, in that environment and live, right? So you got some time. You're like, oh, I'll work on my lines in between. You know, I'll sit rent, whatever. And 
So that pace, it's a longer day, but it's a slower pace. And then in animation, your script is 28, 32 pages, give or take. And it's booked as a four-hour session and you're sharing the load with several other actors. So you're back and forth in those pages and you've got your lines and you do your thing. Mm -hmm. And then in a game, it is a four-hour one-person show with a couple of pee breaks. So I was like, you know, (laughs) some game sessions I come out and I'm literally dizzy because my focus has been so like, you know, for four hours because each each line is I'm inventing instantly my environment, what's happening in that environment, where the other person is, remembering our history, remembering what I want, remember where where I want to go, remembering all these things and then bringing it to life like boom, boom, do it again, boom, do it again. Okay, next. And then I do that whole setup again. And that has to happen like, like that, you know? So that's a great focus requirement. And then audiobooks, I'm like, oh my God, I had this phone was full of voice references like I had, and they were all labeled T-S-I-A-S-O-S, you know, cap. So I would know like, okay, and I had stacks because a character might come in on page 80 and not come back until page, you know, 137. And I had to remember exactly what they sounded like. So I'd be like, (laughs) okay, hang on. And then I'd, I'd pull up my, and I'd lay down that key. Like when I do a character that repeats, they typically have what I, what people call a key line. Like Cinderella is, oh, that clock, go on, get up, you say. Yes, stepmother. You know, like I have key lines for characters that bring them forth. I was supposed to tell you to close your eyes before you did Cinderella. I just broke the rule, but my own rule, my rule. Um, I heard you know, it. And, uh, and, and Dory, whenever I stunt Dory, I'm like, hi, you know, that's cause I'm, I'm stunt Dory when Ellen's too busy. Um, and uh, I don't cover up their eyes. I covered your eyes. Um, so, so I'd have these, and it's just, and then we would record four and a half, five hours. And, and it's, it's a balancing act because I've listened to, I love books. I, I grew up on books and, and pets and, and trees and grass. And I, um, it's a balancing act in an audiobook. I My understanding was I couldn't go too far with the characters or it would throw the listener out of the book. But a couple of the characters were like, no, excuse me, I'm full on or I'm nothing. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is what I have to do for them. You know, so it was it was just keeping all these things together. And it, was, it could not have been done without the amazing director, Callum Plews. He directed the whole thing and guided me and pulled me back when I went too far with the characters and, you know, helped true it back to what he remembered as correct. And we'd listen to the voice memos and he was incredible. And then our engineer, Sal, and then Invisible Patrick, as I call him, he was our editor. And I was always like, Patrick, not that one, the one before. it was the learning curve really i think was the was the because uncertainty is draining right like we're all feeling that in the world and when in doing something new like i have so much certainty in terms of my skill set with games that i'm quite free to absolutely face plant like oh okay that was completely wrong but i had great confidence in trying it you know in in animation games on all that stuff but you know audiobooks were new so uncertainty drains your energy and so it was managing that level of like nope just do it just creating that confidence by choice you know and and i always have to ask especially when when somebody's doing animation and and uh you know uh 
voice for, for video games and stuff like that. Yeah. Where do you and like what what is your like kind of like your process for like developing characters and and coming up with these different and unique voices? Mm. It all comes out of the writing. It's all in the writing. Writers make the world go round. They should be doing these interviews, although many of them would be mortified. Um, <laughs> they are without them. We don't have any content. You know, like nothing happens. So for me, I'm there to honor the writer and to serve the director and the production team. So I start with the writing and then I just let my imagination fly. And I try to come up with a few options. Like, you know, I, you know, the tone, you know, the universe, like you're not going to go into a sci-fi like this, you know, well, unless it's that kind right. of sci-fi, you know, maybe <laughs> it's a Tim Shaper project and it's absolutely, <laughs> you know, um, it's a, you know, and so, um, it's really all in the material. And then I, I am a channel for the creative and whatever comes out, comes out. My number one goal is to get myself out of the way. Like I am, I am just in that work. I am prime. My function is to be a toolkit. I have life experience. I have imagination. I have vocal range. I have physical health. I have breath support. I have imagination and I have ears to listen and receive what everybody else's vision is to plug it into what's coming out of me. And then I just let go and just let it go. Hands off, <laughs> hands off, let yeah. it be, you know? So, you know, would you, would you try another audiobook? And, and if so, if, if, is there a book series that if they told you they were going to redo, do a new audiobook version of it that you just jump on? I would absolutely try another audiobook. I would, no, I don't believe in try. I will absolutely do another audiobook. Um, and um, a, a friend of mine, Jill Renee Stevens, has this killer video about try versus do. I'd absolutely do one. And as far as a series, I don't know. I'm not attached to anything. You know, it's funny. I don't ever glom on to existing work like I wish I'd done that. The only one of those that's ever been a, a powerful guidepost for me was uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. That that was actually a guidepost for me while I was doing um, Mass Effect, um, Adama, you know, and just the combination of everybody. I think that's the one role I'd be like, all right, if they did it again, I'm going to go for Adama. <laughs> Sorry, Eddie. Oh, my gosh. Great respect, Eddie. I love you. And I respect you enormously. And I want that part. <laughs> yes that is hilarious that you said that i was yeah. totally gonna ask you about that yeah. i think battlestar that reboot of battlestar galactica i think one of the all-time greatest shows of all time yep i said all time twice <laughs> on purpose because it deserves it it deserves all time i'm gonna say it again all time all time all time <laughs> so say we all <laughs> so say we all absolutely yeah <laughs> That is awesome. Yeah. You know, when when you're assessing a, a project for for story, especially what sorts of things speak to you? Like, like, did you ever like, do you ever get projects and you see the story pitch that they have available to you and you just think that the story is not compelling enough so that you you kind of stay away from it? Or is it is it that you're just trying to get that stream of work that that sometimes there's not that I don't even want to say luxury but there's not that yeah. in your mindset. No, I'm I am a working actor. You know, people have the illusion that when you've done the volume of work that I've done, you get to pick and choose only. And that's not true. I'm a workaday actor. I'm not what the corporations view as a celebrity and that is relevant simply because pay does what it does. 
when you're still in that seat. I'm a work a day person. I am, I'm lucky enough to have some status and some position. And there are definitely times when work just comes and I'm grateful for that. And there's also a lot of times when I audition. That being said, I have had a couple things come my way that I, that didn't work for me. And what didn't work for me was they were projects that are either dismissive or disrespectful or really outdated in their view of um, any given group of peoples are hard. I, I don't necessarily, because I'm clear when we lend our voice to things, when we lend our energy to things, we're, we're giving them piece of our, we're sending them our power. We're sending them our energy. And I must be specific and careful where, not not careful, but mindful what I empower. And if I'm empowering things in the world that I don't believe in, that I think are maybe part of what's not great in the world, is that a choice I want to make? And if I can afford not to, <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that leaves, that leaves me the space to empower the world I want. And isn't that yeah. why we're here? Isn't that why exactly. we're all here? Yeah, exactly. And and Jennifer, I know you've had an absolutely prolific career of all the characters, all the genres that you've, you know, everything that you've done. Who would you say or which character do you feel that you connect with the most? Mm. Well, they're all little pieces of me. Um, so, yes, yeah. I'm crazy. Um, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny is I've been the voice of Cinderella since I think 1995, I want to say, and uh, totally related to Cinderella so much. Um, Commander Shepard, like I was born wanting to save the world. So to get to save the galaxy a couple times in a few different ways is pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those are great benchmarks. And then, you know, Princess Morbucks is always a fun one because that's the inner monologue when you're pissed off. Right. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> I, I know you got to run soon. Yeah. So let me, let me uh, end on the Guinness book of world records. How did that kind of come about? I didn't even know it existed till somebody tweeted it. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what? I went and bought the little magazine. I was like, no way. No way. I, I'm not a person who keeps things on my wall about what I've done, but I have like, like five little choice things on my wall. And one of them is the Mass Effect 3 cover with Femshep on it. Cause I was like, yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, one of them is uh, the New Yorker piece that Tom Bissell wrote on me, which was just like, holy gods, really? Now I can show my parents something. Um, and, uh, and one of them is um, is this quote. My girlfriend was on a beach on vacation in Hawaii. She calls me. She's like, hey, you're in my magazine. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? I was like, what magazine? She's like, more magazine. I'm like, I didn't do anything for nobody. What? And she's like, yeah, it's just a quote. It had a picture of a game controller and it had no quote from me going, I like to take the boys' jobs. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's on my wall. And then um, the Guinness Records, a little gamer edition magazine that that came out in. I'm like, ah, I'm going to throw that up because, geez, that's kind of cool. And I'll, that's awesome. That's cool to have that. My kid actually never knew what I did for a living. I never told him. Um, oh. well, because it's, it's the kind of job where pop culture is really powerful. And if he got sucked in to that 
idea of that's what mom is, maybe I should do that, he would lose his free will and a piece of his free will and his choice around it, potentially. And also, like when he was three, he had a little friend in preschool whose parents were big Powerpuff Girls fans. And I guess she would watch with her parents. And every time she saw him, she would look away from him and look at me and start talking about the Powerpuff Girls. And I was like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> this is not going to be my kid's childhood. Like everybody's like, hey, how's your mom? You know, like we're yeah. not his childhood. He gets to have his childhood. So I just never brought it up because it's hard to explain it and keep it small when they're, you know, five, six, seven, eight. You're like, yeah, but it's not a big deal. But ma, you know, like, no, mm-hmm. no, just no. And we were yeah. at dinner with some friends in Australia and um, somebody said something about a Guinness record. And he was sitting next to me. He's like, Wait, what, mom? I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's just a thing for my job, you know, and um, I used to, I take my extra, I believe I've been in this business long enough that I know you're in fashion one day and you're out of fashion the next. And it has not a lot to do with you unless you're, you know, doing something with your behavior that's off-putting or whatever. It's just the way the business goes. You're going to be in, you're going to be out. So you save your money in between, you live below your means and you, or, you know, you just live in a way that keeps that in mind. And, and, um, so I, I love money and I love real estate and I love, you know, all that stuff. And at one point with some friends, I was syndicating, um, apartment investments and we were bringing friends in and we still have some of those going and, and I would teach him that. And I would show him that because I know between who his father is and who I am, he's going to be a creative soul. He's going to be a deeply creative soul. I mean, it's, it's all over my house. Um, (laughs) I thought, okay, I, it's, I really want to focus and support the money side because part of my mission in this world is to break that myth that if you're creative, you're not good with money because I want a world where artistic people are financially empowered. Like what does that world look like? You Mm -hmm. know, that's an amazing place. Let's go hang out there and let's create that. And, um, So I talked about the money stuff in front of him and I talked about the investments and the, you know, and he's like, I want to do this deal. And I'm I'm like, yes, let's get your money money power strong so you can fund your creative side. And so you can have a say in what this world is and does. Absolutely. Jennifer Hale, thank you so much (laughs) for coming on this show. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, Where can we find you on the socials? What do you have going on? Lay it on us. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. On the socials, uh, Twitter, I am at jhaletweets. Instagram, I am at jhalegram. That's G-R-A-M, not like the cracker. And um, I am on iTunes and Spotify and all the things as Jennifer Hale. My two singles out right now are Never and Sea of Stars. And uh, I have a YouTube channel, but I don't uh, actually that's where the Mass Effect panel is going to be broadcast is on my YouTube channel. And I will be launching a Patreon in the next um, sometime in the next anywhere from, you know, could be nine days, could be 90 days, but I'm going to launch a Patreon. (laughs) So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much again for taking your time and coming on the show. Oh my God, Ryan and Lucas, this was delightful. Thank you so much. This was a joy. Awesome. Guys, stick around. We will be right back after this break. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, 
you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools that make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for more than 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it first fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bent Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to those short messages. And thanks again to Jennifer for that interview. Ryan, that was a blast to talk to her. That was amazing. Uh, you know, again, she is, she is, she, number one, is just so much fun. And, and just in speaking with her, you, you, you truly, I feel like you truly get a sense of, uh, who she is and what kind of soul she has. Uh, so again, Jennifer, thank you so much for, for coming on. We'll definitely have to have you on again and, and do some more jibber jab. And that was a lot of fun. Um, but, Video game wise, uh, we got some, <laughs> some, some rather sad news. Lucas. <laughs> just just when we thought there could not possibly be any more delays with Cyberpunk, just when you thought it was safe, just after they made this big splash in social media and how the game went gold, <laughs> it got delayed another three weeks to December. I know three weeks is not that long of a time given that this game was first teased in 2012, but Ryan, <laughs> I swear until that game is physically in my hands, I am not convinced we'll ever see this game. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, we, and I said it a while ago too, like when we first got into COVID and stuff like that, like I was like, I'd be surprised if this game still comes out this year. Uh, I mean, it seems like they're trying and it doesn't seem like it's any kind of like major issues or anything like that that's holding it up. I've got no problem with this, to be honest. Um, so many times we've seen games release that just aren't finished. They are super frustrating. Uh, you know, you're paying basically for an incomplete game. And, you know, I, I want them to be able to cross their or cross their T's, dot their I's. I think this is more of what they're doing here, making sure things are optimized and good to go. And it'll get in our hands. I mean, things got crazy on social, dude. I mean, you had people threatening developers and stuff like that. I think 
what's important here and people forget, especially with the anonymity of of the Internet, is that these people are people. They've got families. They are also going through the exact same situation that we are. So they're trying to navigate in a space that. You know what I mean? That was not the norm beforehand. So everybody's trying to do their best. But, you know, again, I've, I've got to, you know what I mean? Like, hey, you say you need three weeks. You take the time uh, that you need. And when you're good, I'll be ready. Uh, you know, I know it could be terribly frustrating. And, and we were so I mean, especially the fact that, you know, it, it did go gold and you don't go gold and then pull back. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I think that was more one of the more shocking things. Like you guys had all this big old hoopla about this going gold. And then you say, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me pump yeah. the brakes real quick. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I love about that is after this announcement came out, you know, on social media, they were saying, well, going gold doesn't mean the game's done. We're still working <laughs> on it. And I'm like, okay, but you were the ones that made that big deal. You're the ones that on all your social media said the game's gone gold. See you in November. So like, that's, that's, I'm, that part is on you guys. Like you played that up to such a big degree. And then to have that delay come out. <laughs> I, go, let me go ahead and walk that back. <laughs> and I will, I will say this. It's obviously a complicated issue, right? Cause you don't want developers to be overworked that's been an issue in the video game industry mm-hmm. for a long time that's just now starting to see the light of day so clearly you don't want these developers to be overworked but my goodness the communication it just seems like with these companies is terrible one week you're celebrating the game's gone gold a few weeks later the game's getting delayed again <laughs> Yeah. And that's I mean, I I think that's one of the biggest things out of that, too. It's like, look, man, if you like and this is where it it becomes difficult, because I feel like there's a a lot of times and I don't know how much they've gotten, but they've got to be feeling some of the pressure of not only, you know, I mean, are they trying to get this game out? But then you have the new consoles launching. You've got new graphics cards that are launching. You've got all kinds of things of uh, that that are going on right now. So they're not just like working on one or two iteration of this game. They're working on like five or six different iterations of this game to be optimized for each of these different platforms. That's not easy. That couldn't be easy. Uh, you know what I mean? To to coordinate all that stuff and and make sure, you know, maybe it's good on this end, but it's messing up on on this platform. So now we've got to take our focus and and focus on that. It's like, look, man, just make it smooth, make it a clean thing. You know, the other thing I'm nervous about too is that there's been that there has been and in it gets in a kind of dangerous areas where you do have these games that have been hyped up for years and years and you know what I mean? They end up falling flat or they are good games, but the community is already so jaded uh, from all the stuff that, that, you know what I mean? Like, you're just like, meh, I'm over it. Uh, I don't think we're at that point yet. Uh, You know, people are still excited for this game. It was funny. I was talking to a buddy the other day and I was like, I'm excited for this game and I have no idea what the game's about. I'm not even going to lie. I don't I'm not one to really watch trailers or, or do the in-depth stuff. When I play a game, I'd rather play it blind or at least have kind of like a general sense of what the game is and then right. go in from there. So it's like, you know, it's like I'm hyped up and I don't even know why. <laughs> you know, and it, it's kind of funny because we've talked about this before, that it's frustrating when these companies announce a game so darn 
early and then yes. we're waiting years and years and years it was bad enough for what they did with the last of us part two like i thought they announced the last of us way too early because then we were waiting four more years until the game actually got released this was right. first season 2012 <laughs> like it's been right. eight years eight years I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's two presidential elections have happened. We're about to have our third before this games come out. <laughs> True enough. True enough. That is crazy. That is crazy to think about. But again, maybe this is, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, how it plays out. And just that final, like, I'm excited to get my hands on it. Uh, obviously, we've got the new plat or the new uh, uh, consoles that will be dropping in about a week. Uh, or so from now, which is super exciting. We had AMD come out and they, they, uh, uh, announced their 6000 series, uh, which is supposed to rival the 3000, uh, NVIDIA, uh, graphics cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's exciting times, uh, right now for gamers and in this digital space. But the crunch, as far as on a, uh, developer side is, is very much a real thing, especially, Uh, being the fact that, you know, again, they've been working from home like a lot of other people. So trying to do this stuff remotely, you know, that that presents its own challenges, uh, which they're trying to navigate through as well. Again, I I'm I'm very much on the side of take your time, have a smooth, clean launch. You put this much time in. What's a little more time? Yeah, that's true. I, I will say this. I really, really, really want this game to be good. So hopefully this is that last bit of polish that it needs. I will be so sad if this game is not good. Like, I I, <laughs> I, want, it, I want it to be good. I want it to be good so badly. So You'll have a lot of sad boys if, if it is not, uh, uh, well, boys and girls, uh, if it is not good. Um, that is for sure. That is for sure. Gosh, man, I can't imagine. I I cannot imagine the disappointment that is going to happen if this game is not good. It has been (laughs) way too long and way too much hype for this not to be good. I mean, how can it not be good, though? It's got Keanu Reeves in it. Come on now. Right. <laughs> speaking, speaking of that, Keanu, if for some reason you come across this episode, the the invitation is open for you to come on the show. <laughs> yes. Talk to us. Talk to us. <laughs> Yo, before we head off, though, we also want to uh, give you guys a reminder. This Saturday, November 7th, will be the big kickoff for the Extra Life charity. Uh, all the streams will be going on uh, throughout the community. Obviously, this is a, a year-round charity. However, this is their big major event. I know that uh, me personally, I'll be streaming with the CFG games and and all that crew. There's about five or six of us uh, that'll be streaming for 24 hours. We have all kinds of different incentives uh, for hitting goals and stuff like that. Uh, again, we had Ashley on last week. She broke it down as far as don't don't forget to go check out that episode if you want to learn more about uh, uh, extra life. I'm really excited for it though. It's such a it's such a uh, it, just to be able to see a charity and and the gaming community come together. I mean, really, it, that to me kind of defines what that gaming digital space really is, is generous people coming together, uh, you know, going and, and helping, helping out the kids, doing it for the kids right? Uh, all across the country. Uh, I can't think of a better opportunity and a better cause uh, uh, to help out. 
Yeah, it's such a fun way for people to marry their passion for video games with a chance to help out hospitals, right? And and what what better causes can there be? And so it's it's nice to have that opportunity to do what you love and do some good while you're at it. So I mean, it, it's a it's the perfect combination. Absolutely. That's extra-life.org is their main page to be able to donate, to be able to go. They'll be all over. Uh, uh, speaking with Ashley last week, she said that they're not going to be doing uh, any kind of in-person events. However, them and their team are going to be bouncing around to different streams and stuff like that. So I highly encourage if you know somebody that is, uh, um, you know, that that is uh, participating uh, typically, you know, you can you can do it for your local children's hospital. You could do it for national children's hospital. Not only that, not only is it helping children, but it's also helping these workers and these folks that are working uh, behind the scenes as well and helping with the, uh, you know what I mean, um, uh, equipment and and research and things like that. So, uh, you know, again, we understand that that uh, that we're in the middle of a pandemic and, and money may be tight for some. But if there is anything uh, or or, you know, even just sharing and stuff like that, any little bit helps. Oh, yeah. You know, gamers tend to rally well for good causes, so I expect it to do the same. They've raised a mind-boggling large amount of money already, you know, over the last decade plus that they've been around, and it's just growing. So it, it's this is awesome to see. If you can help out in any way, definitely do it. Absolutely, my friend. I think that's going to do it for us here at Land Parties. Uh, Lucas, what do you have going on? We are on the cusp. Not only that, but also Beyond Light to, or Beyond Light Destiny 2 is uh, coming out real soon as well. But what do you have going on? Sorry, I don't know why I threw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> you are fine. I am, you know, aside from trying to help out and support some extra life stuff, I am just going to game. I didn't get to game like at all over the weekend. It was literally just all house projects so i am ready to just un well, <laughs> plug in i was gonna say unplug plug in really <laughs> is the right right term there and game i have no idea what i'm gonna do yet it's been a little while since i played smash so i think i want to play a little bit of smash again play some spider-man and that that's it this weekend i'm being lazy how about yourself I want to. I'm hoping I can also be lazy uh, this weekend. But, you know, I've been on that uh, Watch Dogs Legion grind. So I was able to sneak some time in. I plan on getting some more time in that game. I've also got uh, Bless Unleashed. That came out for PS4 recently. I wanted to play that for a while, uh, but mm -hmm. it was an Xbox exclusive. Uh, it, it got ported over to uh, PS4, so I'm going to pick that up and start that off. I've got some friends that are playing that, so hopefully, you know, kind of like you, man, I want to be able to just kind of, I need some time to decompress a little bit and just kind of just shut it off, plug in like you're saying, and and just zombify for a little bit. That'd be fantastic. Uh, but that is going to do it for us here at Land Parties. Thank you guys so much for taking your time listening to this episode. It was fantastic. Uh, again, speaking with Jennifer Hale, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you guys out there for listening. And you know what it is. We love your faces. Land Parties.